0: It has been a long and arduous journey, and you have just reached the bottom of your provisions bag. Soft white snowflakes melt onto the freckles that make their way across your nose and down the sides of your face. And when they first started falling, you were finishing your last bite of stale bread, and you were not surprised, because you smelled it coming. The new icy breath of the north has been following you, headed towards you without stopping, but you didn't think it would get here so quickly. The cold snowflakes felt sharp and soft at the same time on your warm, fire-brightened face. And for one moment, you tilt your head upwards, leaning into those frozen kisses. And for just that moment, you are one with that wintry embrace and allow yourself a brief moment of fleeting bliss, before you turn to your now empty satchel, lace up your thin leather boots a little more tightly and wonder if you will find shelter before the cold envelops the wood and time slows to an almost near stop while the entire forest sleeps. You wonder if you will find shelter before you are lost to winter and its unforgiving beauty. Quickly putting out your fire, you make a fast decision. This snow? will not stick tonight, the ground is still too warm. So instead, you will make your way towards the mountain pass. It will be hard, steep, an extra day's walk to the west maybe, but the shortcut through the mountains will be worth it. Making your fire in the high caves, shielded from the elements while you make your way, seems to be like the best move you can make. Getting to the mountain pass is tricky and dangerous, but once you're there, you know the way. Softly crunching leaves send their gentle aroma underneath your feet, tinged with ice around the edges, giving you new vigor as you set off to make the lar- large gray standing stones, the sunstones, before this opportunity is lost. Chewing on cinnamon to warm your bones, you know you can make this journey. The old road was full of bandits and mercenaries anyway. This way is known only to your kind. This way is the true way. Jauntily off on your mission, you are practically vibrating with energy. The warmth of a deep cave bathed in firelight plays in your mind's eye, warming you from within. Falling into a fluid rhythm as you walk, time forgets your name, and you return the favor. Finally, you see the first towering gravestone carved with rooms that marks the entrance just up ahead. Thrilled to see such a familiar sight, you take off running, quick as a flash, and then suddenly see a vine that was certainly not there before sling out in a blur moving unnaturally fast with a mind of its own and now you're rolling you who never loses their footing you who free climbs smooth rock faces with ease jumps to the tops of swaying evergreens you are falling rolling down 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 away from the circle of gray sunstones and landing with a sharp thud at the bottom of a very large hill that you do not remember Rubbing the bump on your head and wondering why you keep ending up in these unsavory situations, you take in your new surroundings. When did the sunstone sit atop a hill? Something else is amiss. The cool chill of barely falling snow is no more. Instead, you find yourself in a glen, absolutely covered in a blanket of pure white snow. Ice no longer lingers, but permeates the very thread of spirit woven into this place. This snow has been here a very long time. It whispers your name as it glitters and shines. Each snowflake weaves itself into the thread of this giant blanket in this icy glen, a fantastical mandala of winter's deepest and coldest heartwork. While this is beautiful, it cannot be so. You were just walking on soft leaves in this very same wood, right? But where are the trees in this wood? Where is the wood? Where are you? You are alone completely, except in the not-so-far off distance sits a small cottage. Smoke wafts warmly from the chimney, and a golden glow emanates from the powder-covered windows. The smell of red fruits and spice drifts languidly over to you, calling you a little closer. A fence outlines the dwelling in the western corner, is marked not at all uninvitingly by a flame-lit lantern glowing brightly and boldly among the magnificent surroundings. The lantern's glow has a long reach, all the way to the opposite corner of the fenced garden, where it perfectly alights across the leaves of a massive and gloriously green elder tree. More aware of the lack of wood than you are before, you approach and see this giant tree has no snow on its leaves, and it is actually in bloom. You cannot believe your eyes. The sun temple has spoken of this tree and the spirit within it. Knowing dawns and you see that you are in the realm of the elder mother. Fear and fascination propel you along with the fact that the footprints that should be behind you leading you back from whence you came are no more. Vanished. Vanished. You know she has summoned you here, and you know you must heed the elder mother's call, for she comes with great wisdom always. You are not afraid. You open the gate and step through, watching as the snow dissolves around you and reveals the most magnificent garden to be seen, encapsulating a springtime high noon fragrant blooms and cheery birds melt away your remaining fear and looking through the gate behind you the whispers of the twinkling snow still sit calmly awaiting the closing of the gate you oblige them with a thanks a new lightness in your step and go forth into the garden of the elder mother What's up y'all and welcome back to episode 5, I think it's 5, of Beyond the Belfire. My name is Wish. Ooh, I am so happy to be back here with you guys. I'm pretty excited about today's episode, but first and foremost I do want to say that I am going through a bit of a hard time. Had some unexpected tragedy hit recently and I'm a little down today. So I appreciate you allowing me to feel my feelings and be in that space without judgment. And just know that I am really excited about what I want to talk to you about today. However, I did have a script, but you know, it just doesn't really feel right. I tried doing this and it just didn't, it wasn't sticking, you know, it wasn't sticking. So I'm going to try and say everything that I want to say, tell you everything I want to tell you, but it might be a little all over the place, and I'm okay with that. It's still a really fun episode, and I have a lot of really exciting things to talk about, but yeah, we're just going to see what happens. I do want to say that we are starting the series I mentioned before, and we are talking about tree magic, everything to do with tree magic. And I'm not going to be following the Celtic tree calendar. I am not an entirely Celtic witch. I do use Greco-Roman and Celtic magic in my practice, as well as other things. But um, I'm not entirely devoted to Celtic magic. And honestly, the Celtic tree calendar is based off of history, but it's not historical and Not all of the plants on the tree calendar are trees, so I'm going to do what I want and I am okay with that. Uh, Today though, we are talking about a tree that does overlap a little bit with the Celtic tree calendar, which is why I wanted to go ahead and give that disclaimer to you. Um, And I'll talk about that just a teeny tiny bit in a little while. Also... I need to correct myself. Last episode, I said for some reason that uh, Samhain was the solar new year. And that is just not true. I don't know where that came from. I am super sorry about that. I am still figuring out how to do this whole podcast thing and how to be comfy talking to a microphone. And I still get nervous. I have really bad stage fright with pretty much everything, so... Um, we're we're, working through it together, you know, and I'm having fun, and I'm just trying to focus on that aspect, and I'm not perfect, you know, but I'm correcting myself, the actual solar new year is February 1st, so sorry for that mistake, um, lastly, but not leastly, that is a word now, um, (laughs) I am going to try and start putting these episodes out, not on the new moon and full moon, But instead, I'm going to try and do it three days before. Because I know that on the actual day of, does not give you very much wiggle room to work with that energy. Uh, And I recognize that. And I want to be able to do that for those who would like that. So, moving on to trees. Trees, trees, trees. That's what we're talking about today. The magic wonderful whimsy of trees and there is a lot. Today we're starting with the elder trees. I am just a big plant nerd y'all. I really am and this space is a space for me to nerd out and talk about all of the things I love and I'm really excited to be sharing this part of my heart with you. You know I find trees to be fascinating biologically and spiritually They're the life giving, wisdom holding watchers of our planet. They have massively extensive and elaborate ways of life, whether it's communication, reproduction, how they take care of themselves. They are a whole freaking society of beings living amongst us quietly, not in the shadows by any means. They literally tower above us at all times, and they are everywhere. They are an essential element of our existence. And I don't think we talk about them enough. I really don't. So I am going to happily fill that role and bring some light to the magic of trees, you know? I mean, the tree products make up daily life all the time. Without their silent alchemy, we would not live on this beautiful planet. Our lungs would not work. They offer so much more than breath and shade. And they all have their own history and folklore as well as medicinal and healing properties. And I personally feel that when we look at trees with new eyes, we can really start to create relationships with these beings. And forge connections that last and that are extremely valuable. 85% of my witchery is green witchery. And to me, learning the myths and the folklore and the medicine of our green friends is extremely spiritual and really, really fun. So, I'm happy to start talking about this. It's a huge part of my life. I'm very excited to share it with you. Uh, So buckle in, because this might be a slightly longer episode, but it's going to be worth it, I promise. Um, But before we jump into trees. Oh, we have got to go to the cosmic cauldron. We've got to go over to the cauldron and see what's bubbling up in the cosmos. Let's go right now. I cannot wait. Okay, y'all. The full moon approaches. The full moon is tomorrow. November 19th and um, I am a little shooketh at that to be honest because the month of November is almost over. What the heck? It was Halloween yesterday and whew, I'm like ready and not ready honestly. Um, I don't have anything prepared to do on this new moon, the, the full moon um, and I usually do. I am having ritual with my friends and I have no idea what we're going to do yet. So it'll be fine. It'll be whatever it needs to be. But I have high hopes because this particular full moon is a really, really special one because this full moon is accompanied by a partial lunar eclipse. And it's not just any lunar eclipse. It is a 98 percentage lunar eclipse. So it's a blood moon, y'all. That 2% is a minor technical detail. A blood moon is when um, the moon's light is fully engulfed by the shadow of the earth. And it blocks it all out. Uh, and that 2% is 2% smooth percent. You know, like, it's, it's a blood moon for me. So, either way, uh, this is going to be a really big shift for us all. I can feel it. I've been feeling it for a long time now actually and I truly feel like this is the uh, cosmic moment that I have been feeling the build up towards. I've been feeling this eclipse energy for quite a while now and trying to kind of dissect that and the best way that I can describe it Is like, have you seen Dune? Because I saw Dune. I saw Dune three times and I'll tell you why. I watched it the first time to take it in. I watched it the second time to understand. And I watched it a third time because I was so impressed and I loved it so much. That it played on repeat throughout that evening in my brain. In my dreams. And that soundtrack for that movie. That is how I equate this like eclipse energy that's what I I equate it to because that's what it feels like if you could just give it an equivalent of what it feels like to me it feels like the dune soundtrack everything has the dune soundtrack there are some kind of ominous feeling parts some really intense feeling parts some very powerful parts and it's all got this like really intense like otherness feeling to it. I have been feeling energy build that feels huge. And I am not trying to scare you. I am excited. I am flipping excited for this. I need this. That's why I'm excited. Um, It has been a tough road, y'all. Truly. I feel like I am coming out from a dark night of the soul where I am like a butterfly coming out of a cocoon right now and I, I am ready to face whatever is on the way. I really truly mean that and wherever you're at, um, I'm excited for you as well. This eclipse is going to be the longest cl- eclipse in the century but it's also going to be the longest lunar eclipse in 580 years. 580 years. This eclipse is going to be three hours and 28 minutes long. That is a long time to do any kind of work or to accept any kind of energetical shift. And for those of us on the East Coast, right after 2am on Friday morning, And for those on the west coast, it will begin at 11 p.m. Thursday going into the wee hours of Friday morning. But it will also be able to be viewed from um, Australia, certain places in Africa, and Asia. So just figure out where you are going to uh, need to look, what time you're going to need to look. But it will be viewable pretty much everywhere um, if the moon is going to be above the horizon where you're at so definitely definitely keep an eye on that this is the first eclipse that is ringing in a series of Taurus Scorpio eclipses that's going to last for about two years so to figure out what this is starting for you um, what to pay attention to uh, where this is going to be affecting look in your chart find where you have Taurus and Scorpio placements or Alternatively, like where your Venus is, because uh, Taurus is ruled by Venus, and Venus is my girl. Venus is one of the primary deities that I work with. She's known as Aphrodite in Greek mythology, and to be quite frank with you, she's a little bit misunderstood. She's misrepresented quite often. You know, she's glorified as the goddess of love, but she's also about more than that. She's about... Well, I could go into it forever, but she's also about balance. Um, that's the what she's helped me the most with, and this might be a little bit new information to you if you've never looked into her, learned with her, or about her. But she she has multitudes to her as well, you know. And deities have something called epithets, and epithets are like names used to venerate or celebrate certain aspects of a deity, right? So she is known as Venus Verticordia, in which she is called to as the protector of chastity in young women, right? But she also has an epithet where she is known as Venus Ersinia or Venus of Eryx, where she reigned as a matron goddess. And her temple in Eryx housed one of Rome's most famous cults of sacred prostitution. So Venus Arsenia of the Sacred Prostitutes. And they have a freaking festival day for sacred prostitution at this cult. Which was, I believe, April 23rd. Which is epic and amazing. I love everything about that. Absolutely everything about it. And um, I just think, you know, if you look at how black and white those epithets are. You have the Protector of Chastity. And then the... Uh, reigning matron of (laughs) sacred prostitution. I mean, those are some intensely different titles. So, she is certainly in the crimson shadow of this eclipse, calling out to you and reminding you that you are a sovereign being in your own right. That you don't have to be this or have to be that. You don't have to label yourself you don't have to be one thing you can be everything and you can be nothing you can be whatever you want you are not limited she is shouting that from rooftops for you this eclipse you know and and the moon rules over our emotions so this eclipse is grounded in the highest degree the Earth sign, Taurus, is amplified. Only only amplified by the Earth's shadow tenfold with this eclipse. And the... So the moon is in Taurus. Uh, Taurus is the Earth sign. The Earth's shadow is going to be coming over the moon. So that's already really beautifully intense and uh, opportunistic energy. And... The moon is going to be opposing the sun during this eclipse in Scorpio. So, the sun is going to be in Scorpio. Scorpio is a passionate water sign. So, with the sun in Scorpio, you have that opposing energy of fire and water. So, you have balance reflected there once more. And that polarity is going to be challenging Taurus to find balance and take a breath. And really consider, you know, what your values are within and without, as well as your boundaries in regards to that kind of thing. And how that's being reflected in you and your relationships. Just like I mentioned last podcast, all of that, like, finding your footing, claiming your sovereignty energy, except intensified. This is all knowing your worth and really stepping in a reality that reflects that, in my opinion. And lunar eclipses are, you know, their beginnings and their endings of cycles. So, whatever cycles were begun and ended or ending um, with last season's Gemini Sag eclipses, it's coming to a close. It's coming to a close. We've got our last Gemini Sag eclipse on December 4th, and that's going to be over. And um, that's a solar eclipse, not a lunar eclipse. But. You know, we've got this new Taurus-Scorpio eclipse season beginning. Eclipse seasons last about six months. So, I just feel this one is going to be really big. Like, the Taurus-Scorpio eclipses are going to last for two years. I feel it. I know that, you know, energy-sensitive beings are are paying attention to this. I am trying to ride this wave right now. It's been really freaking rough. And I am exiting a dark night of the soul and i am happy to be knowing it right now i really am just so excited i am not trying to like scare anybody when i say this is big energy i am trying to get you as hyped as i am i am trying to put the dune soundtrack over your life as well <laughs> and uh look at this as an opportunity you know spiritually The moon is going to rule over our hearts, where we are emotionally. That illumination is going to be temporarily blocked and allow us to look past that tumultuous emotional top layer and go through to the subconscious, to the real nitty-gritty truth that needs to be revealed, that needs to be addressed or transformed. This is so transformative right now transformative supportive it's a moment of the cosmos offering you a helping hand to get where you really want to be not just need but like want to be and you have to figure out what that is so you can harness it and jump on the wave you know um it's kind of like a it's like a refresh cheat code to help you back into alignment especially if you're feeling lost you know eclipses are turning points for those of us that feel lost, you know, coming out of a dark night of the soul, I've definitely been feeling a lot of that recently. Uh, so I'm, I'm ready. I'm excited. I don't usually make predictions, you know, but I'm predicting that this lunar eclipse is going to change everything. It's going to change so much for me, for you, for all of us. I feel like it's not only going to be a catalyst to direct change. In our personal relationships, but it's also gonna directly change how we move through the world, how we relate to one another. I think it's a grand new beginning, and I am so stoked for that. You know, again, look at where your Scorpio Taurus placements are or where your Venus placement is to really find, you know, what cycles you might be outgrowing, what patterns you might be outgrowing what might be beginning or ending all that good stuff that's where you're going to want to look to figure that out if you need help with that or if you're interested in diving a little deeper into that please get with me on instagram or you know you could get a tarot reading i did make a blood moon tarot listing on my etsy that will be linked below Um, i definitely want to help you figure out whatever you are trying to figure out for this blood moon so that being said We are almost done swirling around this cosmic cauldron, Uh, but I just want to repeat that I am not fear-mongering here. I am excited. I am welcoming this eclipse with open arms, and I am rooting for us all. It's been really rough and challenging, um, but I feel like this cosmic support might be exactly what the doctor ordered right now. So, let's head back over to the fire, because I want to talk about some trees I want to talk about some magical trees. Let's go. Oh, yeah. What a doozy for our number one, the Elder Tree. There are so many magical and enchanting trees out there, but none is more fitting than the Elder Tree to be our number one. There is no tree more openly linked to witches, y'all. Um... They are found all over europe and the uk they are often in hedgerows and gardens and you know it's been called the queen of herbs because uh planting an elder tree in the corner of your garden is going to bring protection to your garden it's going to help your garden grow lush and have big yields uh, and cast its protection over your space it's got a really long and rich history of both a magical and practical nature and um it's got quite a few different names attached to it and we're going to talk about those firstly and foremostly um for reasons that will be obvious the first name i want to talk about this tree having is the witch's tree like i said this tree has been linked to witches for since pre-roman times and um it's said to give those who rinse their eyes with its sap the sight capital T capital S which is the ability to see fairies and this particular tree not only allows you to have the sight where you see fairies but it also allows you to see witches and their sacred rites because it has been said that witches can turn themselves into elder trees at will and that one who has the elder sight will Be able to determine which trees are, in fact, witches in disguise. And depending on your motivations, that could be really fun and lead you to a pretty interesting, um, at least night, you know, if not life. Uh, Be right back. I'm going to go visit the elder tree in the garden over there. (laughs) Um, I just see myself. Anyways, uh, (laughs) it's a protector. This tree is a protector. Those are the underlying themes of all of this, uh, folklore and history. And in the Encyclopedia of Superstitions, Folklore, and the Occult Sciences of the World, C.L. Daniels says that elderberries picked on St. John's Eve will prevent possession from witchcraft and bestow upon the owner magical powers. Um, yeah, so you know where you'll find me on St. John's Eve this upcoming year, um, I'll see you there <laughs> um, and we will meet and discuss about which magical powers we get, okay? If you don't know what St. John's Eve is, St John's Eve is a day that has long been tied to fairies and witches and magic. and it just so happens to be before midsummer. From what I understand, it is like the Christian version of midsummer. Um, and on midsummer itself, You can stand underneath an elder tree to see into the realm of fairies and their festivities. In Ireland, witches did not ride broomsticks. They rode elder sticks, which is really cool. And they used the sticks and twigs of the tree to make their magic wands. It's said that you could easily stir up bad weather by dipping a witch's wand made of elder into her cauldron and stirring it around to call in a storm. And if you are a Harry Potter fan out there, you might have put two and two together. And you would be right. Uh, The Elder Wand in Harry Potter is based off of the folklore of this magnificent and wonderful tree spirit. In Wales, housewives will draw designs of Elder around the outside of their house after cleaning their home to ward off bad spirits and bad magic. Which is pretty freaking cool. Um, many civilizations and cultures in history believed that cutting the wood of the elder was bad luck, and that if you made the tree bleed, the spirit of the tree would take its revenge on you one way or another. Bum, bum, bum. So, for instance, what that means is, like, um, a meal cooked over an elderwood fire would turn poisonous and foul, or a home that was made from elderwood would get struck by lightning or worse. And I'll tell you what I mean by worse. So a fire made from elderwood would be said to call and scream upon the devil himself, and the timber of an elder tree in a house would make your house weep blood. And this actually has some uh, scientific backing, and this is because the inner wood of the elder tree is pretty porous, and its sap is very abundant and has a reddish tint. So... If you made a fire with that wood, it would spit at you and probably give you a hard time lighting. But things like furniture and houses that are built from elder were also probably pretty sticky and gross. And did have a red, drippy nature to them. So we can see where that comes from. But it did not help uh, when Christianity came around and... You know, making people not be afraid when they were trying to demonize the pagan beliefs around elder and other trees. But we're not going to go into that too much because the Christians have already had their time. They've had thousands of years of that already, and that's not what we do here. Anyways, many cultures believe that this uh, tree was inhabited by a spirit, which brings us back to the story at the beginning of today's episode. This spirit is named the Elder Mother, and she is pretty well known. Sometimes she's known as the Good Mother and she's similar to like Baba Yaga in the way that she's viewed as a figure and she's quite independent. She only appears when she wants to. There is no direct summoning of the Elder Mother. She can give you her favor or she can bring black, black uh, times onto you and your family meaning dark times um, and those are usually when she feels like there has been a disrespect paid upon her or her trees. And in truth, it seems like she's pretty across the board. Why do I keep saying? I want to throw L's in everything today. Maybe it's because I haven't had my caffeine. (laughs) But um, she's pretty across the board with her blessings and her curses. Um, I did not see that she likes to necessarily lean one way or another. You just kind of have to know the right way to talk to her, give her the right offering for that day. Um, she's pretty much seen as a deity figure and also as the actual living embodiment of the tree and as a nature spirit or dryad that lives in the tree by the druids. Although, across the board, she is always seen in the form of a crone, known as an entity that is both a giver of life and a bringer of death. She is pretty formidable. She has this polarity of life and death which makes her suitable for today's episode with the blood moon and this polarity of life and death comes from the fact that well i think it comes from the fact that the tree itself holds tons of different healing properties for so many ailments so many things it does it's like a catch-all historically if you were to transport yourself back in time and go into any apothecary shop, or home, or whatever, they would nine out of ten times have elder, and they would probably prescribe elder um, for pretty much everything. If you were in, you know, antiquated Europe, um, and that's because it's really, really, really useful. It goes a long way. It does a bunch of stuff, but. If you harvest it or prepare it incorrectly, it can mean poisoning or oftentimes death. So that, I think, is where that polarity comes from. You know, how she got her formidable nature. The elder mother is also given credit as the one who decides if the medicine that you harvest from the tree is going to go the way you want to or if it's going to take a nasty turn. Usually, you know, prayers or proper offerings, you know, paying your respects make this not an issue and she makes sure that your medicine stays medicine Um, i mentioned previously that she's uh, seen as a protective tree and an elder tree growing near the home was often thought to protect the home and its inhabitants from bad spirits and this might actually have uh, you know a hand in science as well because honestly, the elder tree doesn't smell very good. It's, it's flowers and its leaves smell pretty freaking gross. Um, it's pretty rank odor, but this odor actually keeps insects and flies away. So you can see how in the old days, having insects, which carried diseases and, um, brought other things that were unwanted away from your home could be a literal lifesaver, you know, They used to hang boughs of elder in dairies to keep the milk from turning sour. And it would be because it was keeping those insects and things that would sour the milk away from the milk. And it would last longer. This is a real thing. They would also hang cheesecloths um, on the branches of elder to uh, keep that away as well. But didn't necessarily know that the sap and the aroma of the sap getting on these cheesecloths was doing what they certainly considered to be a superstitious or magical nature and interesting enough you know it remained a beacon of protection even throughout the spread of christianity and their attempts at demonizing it because of how strong uh, medicinally it was valued and for all of these other practical things as well which i love i love that um We love a strong female figure that outstands, that withstands Christianity. Am I right? Um, So, a wreath, moving into like Christian, you know, it being adapted into Christianity, a wreath or a cross of elder was put on new graves to stop the dead from rising. We love talking about (laughs) all of the different practices to keep the dead dead on this podcast. And... Um, they would actually plant elder in graveyards to see over the passage of spirits from this world to the next. Isn't that cool? So she has this um, title of protector, of you know, one who walks between that line. And now, you know, they, the elder spirit, the elder mother, also sees over the safe passage of spirits into this world and the next. And They had a belief that a flourishing elder tree meant that all was well in the graveyard and with the souls resting in that graveyard. And a tree that was having issues that had pests or diseases or wasn't flourishing, you know, meant that something was up, that evil could be afoot or souls maybe might not be making it to their destination, which is concerning to say the least. So, you know, Elder has this long-standing position of transporting souls between realms. And it's not just with graveyards. Falling asleep under the Elder Tree without the Good Mother's Blessing could find you waking in the underworld. Either poisoned by the deadly scent of the trees and the flowers, or alive and unable to find your way home after waking up in the underworld because she has transported you there because you did not pay the proper respects stories of being transported to the realm of fairy and falling asleep under the elder tree beforehand are also not uncommon so pay attention to which of our tall green cohorts you find reprieve Indeed, the Elder gracefully rides that line between life and death, and those stories have made it all the way up until today with you and I. And that being said, it is, it is good to note that the Good Mother offers us great medicine, both in secrets to uncover and lessons to learn, as well as physical, real medicine that heals our bodies. But before we move into the physical attributes, let's first reflect on The Lesson of the Elder with a small excerpt from The Wisdom of Trees by Jane Gifford. Quote, The lesson of the elder is a difficult one. Not only are you asked to accept the inevitability of your own death, but you are also asked the far more personal and potentially embarrassing question, How might you be fated to be remembered? both for good and ill were you to die today in the dark days of winter elder presents us with a mirror in which we must see ourselves truly reflected if we are to die with dignity and without regrets end quote and i love that the elder tree is uh really calling on my heartstrings right now you know and I did mention earlier that the elder tree is part of the Celtic tree calendar. It is the tree of the 13th month beginning November 5th, 25th and lasting until December 21st. And you know, that lesson, um, that bit of wisdom by Jane Gifford is really reflecting something within me that I've been, you know, wanting to look at because my mom, passed away on December 21st when I was very young so it feels pretty relevant on me to reflect and that's because I've just begun work sorry words are really hard today y'all um I've just begun working with my ancestors this year uh because that wound surrounding my mother's death was still really hard to face and acknowledging her as an ancestor um was a work that I didn't necessarily know that I needed, but it was something that kind of just came to me. Uh, it was time. I knew it was time and it's, it's been really good. I am so happy that I opened that door. Um, and it's going to be really good for me to reflect on what lessons she's brought to me, what lessons the elder has helped me in that aspect. And I wonder what connections you might find on this lesson you know how are you living with dignity every day how are you honoring yourself every day that's a question any of us would be uh smart to sit and think on with ourselves in my opinion so just an interesting thing to consider with this cosmic intermission of the kind of almost blood moon and the approaching reign of the elder mother you know Uh, you can always call upon her to ask for guidance and ask her to help you understand her medicine, her lessons. I know I will be. Speaking of medicines, again, uh, the medicine of the elder is extremely beneficial, like the physical medicine. Her bark, leaves, and flowers all hold medicinal properties, and they change depending on their preparation. Um, Please do not try and prepare medicine from the elder without a mentor or absolute certainty because like I mentioned before there is a very fine line between medicine and poison with this tree so please 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 consult a professional that said it has been used for colds flus sinusitis as well as shortness of breath bronchitis arthritis swelling and joint pain It's been used for help with diabetes, as a diuretic, to increase sweating, for fevers with colds and things like that. And it can also be used to stop bleeding, cure infections on skin wounds and lesions, like so many different uses, so many. It's been used in almost every method as well, be it tincture, mouthwash, tea, syrup, whatever you can think of, it has been used that way. I'm not going to go into all the different uh, preparation methods here, but if you want to know more, you can hit me up on Instagram and tell me you want to know more because I'm thinking of creating a podcast on herbalism as well. Anyways, I will be posting a recipe with Elder, a Elder Tonic recipe on the Instagram, so check that out if you want Something simple and easy that you can do. I use it to keep away sickness and knock out anything that might come along in these colder months. And it is kid-friendly. Five-year-old approved. So easy to make, tasty, and really good for you. So definitely check that out. But that is all I have for today. I really appreciate you joining me. And thank you for being here and listening. Happy Blood Moon. It's going to be really wonderful. Play the Dune soundtrack and (laughs) bring in your excitement for your personal life's cosmic adventure. May the Crimson Shadow reveal the depths of your truth, and may that which must be revealed make itself swiftly known and adeptly followed, my friend. Thank you so much, and until next time, many, many, many blessings. Happy Blood Moon! Thank you.